0: All I can say is, and you're not going to like the answer that I have, nor most people here, is modeling, because this is the one thing that I, I used to tell people is that you oh, you're you're, you're yeah. you are you are not what your parents said verbally. Your parents could have given you all these edicts, but when I first got out there into the workforce and my first relationship, what I saw is that who my parents were. Both privately and publicly, vibrationally, who they really were rather wow. than who they said is what I ended up becoming. Right, and then it was my job as into early adulthood and moving forward to try to re- rewire those things that I didn't want as a part of me any longer. So it's not about what you say; it's only about what you model. And if we're forty-one adults are spending forty-one percent of their time in front of a screen, then it's it's kind of a hell oh to boy. try to model that. <laughs>
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast, a member of the Education Podcast Network. Today, our topic is what does it mean to rewire your brain? Is that real? Is that all hooey? Today, I'm joined in studio. I always love in studio, by the way, Neil. (laughs) I'm joined by Neil Falora, who has lived this. He has studied it, but he also is living it as we speak. Uh, And Neil is from Carmel, Indiana. And he is now on an entrepreneurial journey of his own. But Neil, first of all, thank you so much for coming to my turf.
0: No problem, Don. I'm excited and happy to be here.
1: All right, so let's talk about rewiring your brain and rewiring your. Well, first of all, let's let's go into the you know how you know what was it called elastic the brain is. Sure. All right, so let's start there.
0: Yeah. So. Um, That is a new notion. So for most of us, when we think about our brain or we think about who we are as a person, that personality of us, we think it's somehow inborn or these uh, dominoes have already fallen. And science is now showing conclusively and disbanding many things that we previously thought that the brain is neuroplastic, or if we want to dumb that word down a little bit, we can just say it's elastic, it's changeable, it's moldable, and in so many ways that we previously hadn't ever thought of.
1: So obviously, um, you now have you have two kids, two, and uh, I have three, and so this is obviously near and dear to our hearts when you start talking about you know, the brain, how it works. But l- let me start off with 15, 16, 17-year-olds, right? So a lot of times we, we think that, um, and I say we, I mean, I, I've taught for 20 years, and up to a certain point, I thought in some cases the damage was done. I used to be a middle school teacher, which I loved, but when I was a middle school teacher, um, there'd be a, like if I didn't get to them by sixth or seventh grade, we thought, man, we're out of luck, Right. Um, obviously things have changed. Tell people why that is A, a myth, and B, how could we get start working with, let's just say, some overlooked 16 and 17-year-olds?
0: Sure. Absolutely. So um, our brains are evolving throughout our whole development in a way that previously would not thought before. And so this idea that you can't teach an old dog new tricks is just mythology. And in fact, it's that very thought. That's keeping us sometimes bound up by that, right? So we have to think about the way in which we come into our understanding of of what are what's the availability of our possibilities. It's really um, what we've already. Taken in from our environment, right? So we have agreements in our head that say, oh this is possible and that's not possible." And yes, you can change here, but you can't change over there. It's the very those those very agreements that we're permeating each other. Our culture permeates with, right? So you understand things a certain way, and you just assume it's the elephant that's tied as a baby to uh, with a rope you know and he becomes an adult and he never tugs at the rope any longer because he says oh that's gonna not i'm i can't break that right so we have these dogmas and it's our our ability to break out of those really means that we have to be able to get out of our own way get out of our own thinking so to speak
1: okay so but the biggest problem that we have in dealing with that is the current system we have of if you mess up it's a bad grade kind of thing sure and for those of you that cannot see through the, the, the podcast, you kind of paused and closed your eyes. <clears throat> um, if we were to make, let's just be practical today. If we were to make one small change to like, start that rewiring process in a way that we can do it in our current educational system. So we're, I don't care if this is, um, you know what, we'll, we'll have three different kinds of answers. We'll, we'll talk about maybe third through fifth grade, middle school, and then high school. What would be a small change For them to start rewiring their brain, a a practical step we could do.
0: Uh, Absolutely. So, so we think about the brain as one big entity right? And, and that's how we would come to think about our ourselves. But really, there's multiple brains going on. There's the old brain, the reptilian brain. And this brain not only has your operating system, but it has these autonomic things that you don't even have to think about to react. Because imagine in medieval times, if we had to think about the stagosaurus, whatever else, we don't have time to think, we would just need to react. Then we have this emotional limbic brain, and it's the age of a two to three year old. And that's the way it understands the environment, that's the way it behaves. And then we have our thinking, brain which honestly can't multitask unlike what most people think it can only handle three or four things so when you're thinking about sort of um, elementary school kids one of the things that's really important to I think take into consideration that these different lobes of the brain are developing and they're learning a relationship with one another and if you see kids going to illogical or they're being irrational or they're being emotional whatever else um, that's not a place where we just want to correct the behavior and make them fall in line. We one thing that we exercise really quickly is what we we call sort of talking to the re, the the thinking brain and getting the limbic brain or the other older brains to calm down. Right. Mm. So often we we try to rule behavior by making everybody to conform, and if somebody's out of line or out of Conformity because they've got an issue, or they've got something coming up for them. It's a developmental process. It's not that that kid has got is a bad seed or they're just more emotional or they've got more problems. Take some time to work with them and speak with them. Say, hey, you're one of the things I do with my kids when they get really upset. I'm like, I give them the story. What happened? You fell down. You hurt your knee. That hurts right now. Daddy picked you up. You know, now I'm in your arms. The pain's gonna go away. You're just upset now as, as, and just talk them through that, right? Mm-hmm. And so so some of what I think I, could happen in a school is to talk kids through their emotions rather than just sort of make them ashamed. We grow up into adulthood being constipated on our emotions, not understanding how to work through them.
1: Okay, so definitely understand that as an elementary level now you get to what i think the toughest age there is and that is the middle school level where they're a little bit weirded out or you know they're embarrassed by if you walk them through a process um so is there a way uh, or is there a better way you can reframe that for an average let's just say 13 year old um especially like because i'm sitting there thinking about all the anxiety and the angst and the confusion that is middle school right and Um, in some ways, this is where we'd start seeing patterns. Like I hate to say this, but the the student that was starting to get in trouble a lot, there was patterns that they were going to get in trouble a lot. And then sometimes things would, you know, get worse. How would you work with that student to start rewiring like his brain, like also his behaviors and getting him to acknowledge those behaviors?
0: Sure. And I think I I absolutely know where you're going with this. So (laughs) Adolescence is is the hardest time because the brain is bathed in hormones in a level that you know it, it and that's where all the development comes as you mature into womanhood or manhood or mm-hmm. so but the challenge is as you when we get to those years is that our our, our sense of comparison and judgment comes mm-hmm. up really really big right now we're learning to compare ourselves against other and the brain loves this conversation yeah. of comparison and judgment because we're naturally our brains are naturally from an evolutionary standpoint made to go. Am I safe or am I not? People often say, oh, I don't judge, and that's just bullcrap. I mean, a brain is made to size up those things immediately. So when you have somebody who's fallen into a pattern of behaviors and they start to get labeled that and then Mm -hmm. they take it on more, right? And so it seems to be sort of a cycle that builds on themselves. I think it's one of the big, big um, ahas, and it takes, it's going to take some time, is getting them to separate themselves from their results, mm-hmm. right? It's just like, just because you were or did you did these things in the past doesn't mean that that's who you are as a person, right? It doesn't You don't have to own that as that's who you will forever be. And also getting people to focus on successes.
1: Well, yeah, well, it also seems like in some cases, they'll just play to their strengths. Like, you know, the bad kid that starts getting a reputation for being a bad kid, almost like they'll relish in it. Like, they'll want to double down and, like, well, heck, yeah, I am. Uh, like, I hate to say this. There was an unfortunate uh, thing that happened in our town a couple days ago where the guy shot a cop. Right. And, you know, they're escorting him to jail. And he was, like, just nonchalantly, like, yeah, I did it. I don't have any remorse. Whatever. And, and it bothered me, not for his bravado, but I could hear the child in him. Sure. Instead of saying, I've done bad. He's like, I'm going to double down on the fact that I'm a tough guy. And, oh, I mean, I, like, I hate to say it, it broke my heart because people are like, you know, he did a bad thing and he did. But I hear a middle school kid talking when I heard that. Um, how do I rewire that kid? Right, right. Like, how do I take away that cool factor of, oh, you're so bad. And, like, he's like, yeah, I am. Uh How... How, where do I begin
0: with that kid? Sure, and that's that's a tough nut to crack. And I am I'm no therapist by by any stretch of the means. But what I would say is is that. We, we need to take a good hard look, or rather, we could take a good hard look at how we teach our, ourselves to suffer and how we teach ourselves to be committed to our struggles. Right? right. So it happens early on. I see it with my kids. As soon as they cry in their cribs, as soon as they, they they're looking over and saying, like, "Well, if I cry, if yeah. I do this thing, then I'm going to get what I want." <laughs> they're right? training you. And they're training you. And oh, absolutely, I've been I'm very well trained almost yeah. by a dinner bell at this point.
1: But, yeah. <laughs> but. Have love would be proud. oh yeah, Salivate
0: and the whole thing. <laughs> right, but it's 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 our it's our society's way to actually kind of encourage this suffering. If you are squeaky wheel, if you're somebody who makes noise, if you cry mm. about things, right? And so we teach people how to suffer, and that suffering gets you certain things, and mm-hmm. it's breaking that cycle of of suffering. But it's also breaking that cycle of suffering in their own, own person's brain because they don't realize that how much they're committed to their own struggle it's like the brain wants to keep up this identity of okay i do these things i have agreements that i'm the rough patch the kid that's always getting in trouble and whatever else mm. and i will go to the brain will go to any lengths to keep the present circuitry the ner- the Twenty lane highway in the brain keep to go the same way, right. um, even if it's not self preserving. But that's that's the way the brain is made to do. It's made to recognize and and develop patterns over
1: time. Yeah, let me back up. So now there's people say, wait, you're not a therapist. So um, explain to people because like they they may be like wait wait I thought this guy was a therapist. Explain to everybody your background. With learning in the brain and and all this good stuff.
0: Sure, sure. So, how did I come to this journey? I think it, it might be noteworthy to to go way back, not too, not too far back, but just at least to say that. Um, I grew up in a household where we didn't. my dad and I didn't bond over football and those kinds of things. It was ideas. It was um, workings of the brain. It was philosophical topics, right? Mm-hmm. He wanted to expand my mind. He wanted to teach me how to think. And because he was a person who came from the base of the Himalayas on a dirt floor farm, mm-hmm. he himself had to really radicalize his thinking to go get – doctor of veterinary medicine in his caste system how poor he was there was no such way for a poor kid like that to go to school but he found a way and he found a way to come here to the states and get a phd in genetics so that sort of shuttles me into this sort of lifelong learning about and thinking about my thinking observing behavior networking with people Mm -hmm. um, which took me into a career in in sales where i traveled the country but the way i stayed alive was Bonding and networking with people. I help people get new jobs, lose weight, shift out of family situations. I had people give me their cards, say, I need you to talk to my son. This is eight, nine years I did this right. re- reliably. So, but the biggest challenge came is that um, I actually went to medical school for two and a half years, had a health health issue at the time that I went to one of my preceptors and he told me to get the F out of his office. You know, <laughs> that was his loving way of caring. Telling, caring, yes. The caring uh, caring side came out of him. I felt very, very... Um, his bedside manner was immaculate, let's just say <laughs> that. So... Um, it took me on a journey where I had to really go, okay, nothing in medical science is helping me. Why, if I all my tests say that nothing's wrong with me, why do I feel the way I feel? And so after going through a very long journey for myself, I found, started to find different people who were talking about this idea that you can actually change you're the state of the health of your body through rewiring your brain through neuroelasticity. In fact, there are neuroscientists writing about this. Dr. Norman Doidge wrote a book, "The Brain That Changes Itself." Mm-hmm. Um, stuff that you read, it sounds like science fiction. Honestly, right, it, unbelievable. No,
1: it's. We'll get into that here with theta wave stuff and all that good stuff. But no, I remember when I first met you, you were giving a, a speech, and my first thought is, I'm like, wait a second, you're not a medical doctor. But that's one of the reasons why I liked it because now I'm starting to, uh, Naveen Jane, who was always one of the first persons to point out that the people that are passionate novices in a certain area are always usually the people that start making breakthroughs. Uh, <laughs> and Naveen is notorious for pouring through uh, and learning about different things. I mean, this is a guy that all of a sudden is a space guy now and is all of a sudden a gut biome guy now. Uh, so I, I like the fact that when I first met you, my first reaction was, you're, you're not a medical doctor. But then going back to my Naveen days of like, oh, and that makes you a lot more dangerous. That makes you start looking into things that some other people are not. Um, now, you, you started to allude to the fact that some of these other brain rewiring things, this, the future science fiction is becoming science fact really, really quickly. Um, you know, we, we, we hit grade school, we hit element or middle school. Um, now we, we go to the middle for the high school and, and I, I think this is one of the most newsworthy things. Obviously we're now we're dealing with school shootings. Right. And again and again and again, uh, the profile of the kid, uh, looks very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and by no means am I ever victim shaming. Um, but you, you know, a lot of the kids that when, you know, post shooting, they're like, you know what? He was always alone. And I say he, I you know, there, I don't think there's been a shooter yet that's a girl, you know, he was always alone. He was always isolated. He always made veiled threats. Um, how, and I, I I hate to say, how do we identify those kids quicker? Because, like, it always seems like a lot of people keep saying, like, boy, we knew this was coming in some ways. But, you know, how do we rewire that brain? How do we get to that high school student? Because, you know, in middle school, the the, the signs are there. But in high school, now they're dangerous.
0: Yes. Yeah. And it's 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 no joke. It's no laughing matter. I don't trivialize that any of that either. Right. But what I would say is, uh, for your ex- the answer to your exact question is is the million dollar question everybody's asking. But what I would say is, this is something I'm extremely passionate about. And I actually was doing some writing and some reading on this recently. Um, is this idea of individualization that we have in our society, mm-hmm. and I. Uh, how people hear me say this often, I, adult, uh, adulthood is the biggest freaking mythology that's sold in our Western society that we get to this place through um, emotional constipation and accepting of a lot of mediocre things because, you know, now we can no longer dream. But the, the most challenging part is, is that um, we suffer on our own. Mm-hmm. we suffer on our own all the time and that nobody else is su- suffering but me this mm-hmm. kind of this kind of philosophy yes. that we have in this in our country in our western society and actually tim ferris was talking about this in, our, in an interview as well there's a lot of work that's coming up on the fact that willpower is people say oh how do you get to some place how do you get over addiction how do you get over certain phobias or social norms you just gotta willpower doesn't work you yeah. know what works is connectivity to other human yeah. beings, the the multiple that you have when you connect with other people and they show health-wise, um, mental, his, uh, mental health issues, health issues in general and productivity this is why we get teams who have very unique skill sets and put them together and they make great ideas and great companies but we do everything on our own and that's where the loner comes in is why aren't those people why aren't we connecting with each other more
1: right well and I I sense that a lot of these connections are in person uh, and I and don't get me wrong I've seen digital tribes that do wondrous things uh, you know closed groups you know all these other things and they're great. Um, but I do sense that um, a lot of times that that feeling, that connectedness usually comes in person. Um, but I've had this discussion with my students. You know, it's the which came first, chicken or the egg. It, is that student wanting to be isolated and no one wants to be around him? Sure. Or are they created that way because people were jerks to him to begin with? Um, or is it a combination of both?
0: Yeah. And
1: I'm, I obviously know. No, I mean, no, no, there's no, right. everybody's different. Everybody's individual, but there seems to be patterns here.
0: Sure, and and um, the exact answer to that will be forthcoming for many years. Yeah. But what I what I would say is what I would say is is that we have a culture and even social media. Um, yeah, I was
1: gonna it, get to it, that. Yep.
0: Even social media. T- Takes um such a hard line against oh you have these things and you don't and you are this way and and you're not and it creates such separatism in a way. So um can we is the great universal elixir just more connectivity? Um, probably not by itself solely for this kind of level of problem. But I think yeah. I think it could have a major major impact on the fact that do um they've, they've run tests Don where they show people who are somebody who's struggling. And there are 15 pre- people that are present and none of those people will help that person. They, they, they're psychology experiments. But if it's just one-on-one, then mm-hmm. people feel like they that they can get involved, right? Mm-hmm. So so there's this mental block that we have as a society is we see somebody on the outliers and we get, especially in a high school setting, if somebody's cast as an outlier, then nobody's going over and bridging that gap to that outlier.
1: Man, so yes. The, uh a student uh, and I had this conversation where he had a idea it was brilliant um, and, and he was he was an African American student and he was just a, unsure of the consequences he would have if he did this but he had an idea where he said um, whenever somebody's outed as being a racist um, they should spend the day with that racial group mm-hmm out of love and compassion. And he uh, cited, I forget which celebrity it was, but somebody said something inappropriate. And, uh, you know, people are calling for his job. Uh, You know, Al Sharpton and those guys, this guy should go away. And so, I'm not gonna give away his name, but he said, so let me get this straight. So if your idea was to end racism and make the world a better place, your idea is to shame him and take away his employment (laughs) and make him go away? You know, he's like, what, what is going to happen with this guy? He's going to go find friends sure. that that are also mad. And I do see that. I mean, I, 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 I sometimes shudder when I see people on both sides of the political aisle don't want to have a conversation. They just want to say, you're bad. Go away. And um, that's how these tribes of really anger and hate start building on both sides. I'm like... You know me well enough. I'm as about as independent as you can get, and I'm mortified because you you start saying both like, well, if you're gonna out me like that, and if you're gonna treat me like that, I'll show you. I'm gonna form a tribe that's everybody hates you as much as I do, and that's that's what I'm scared of. And 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 again, I mean, circling back, this is wiring the brain. I mean, I, like, do, do we all just need to take a big step back and and realize that? In our attempt to make things... Because, by the way, everybody always believes that they're right. <laughs> so, whether you're like, you're wrong because you said this word, and the other person's like, no, you're wrong because you said this word, or whatever, or appropriation, or whatever. Like, but I think... Are, are are both sides just forgetting the humanity
0: behind it? Oh, I absolutely the whole humanity behind it, and this is total rewiring game too. Because think of, think about it, Don. I mean, honestly, why why do we have this overarching need? One thing that used to drive me nuts in corporate America is we would people would be sitting in a room, and one person would say something inaccurate, and in a snap, thirteen people would correct them instantly, uh, not giving sound him, bite, not sound bite culture. Yeah, not not giving him one or her one moment. Yes. To, to 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 say, okay, oh, we bad. made a mistake. We're we're human, whatever else, and it's because it's because we in our brains, we in our brains um, make up these patterns, and if we think something a certain way over time, that becomes a big pathway in our head, and it's very hard for us as not only in our brain but our biology. Yeah. Right. You know, when somebody starts talking of something that you understand in a countercurrent way, your blood pressure goes up, things start to boil in Mm -hmm. your body, your your sweat glands change, your heart starts racing, and so that's. That's the thing that I think we don't, that we as a culture need to realize that we're not dealing with just this great thinking being. We're also dealing with the, with the pre-evolutionary side of them that can lash out and be unreasonable and be, be non-logical, yep. right? Furthermore, um, most people think they're self-aware. Another great study um, was done. And now
1: that that term is so cool now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yes, yes, yes. Or, 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 or as our children say it, they got woke, right? Most people right. think they're woke, right? right, right. They're not. Um, they're, they're not. Only ten or fifteen percent. And what is the reason for that? Is because most people are going around when things happen, they say why. Why did that happen? This is what all the news does. Why did it happen? Why did it happen to me? Why is it happening? The, mm-hmm. the question isn't why. People who are truly self-aware they ask the question what. Mm-hmm. They say what can I do to make this different? What would be, what would produce a win for everybody here? Mm-hmm. How? What can mm-hmm. I do to do to change the circumstance? Uh, you know what were the circumstances that led me to, to the doorstep of this? Right. right. This this why question. Um, adds to the already victim mentality that we have, and that's right. what people think. Oh, I'm going to do some introspection, so I'm going to try to. Now, initially, the brain feels a high when you ask the why's. Even in a grieving person, somebody who's lost a spouse, they feel good about the why, and they. But six months later, they feel horrible because why doesn't why doesn't empower us? Right. What does?
1: Yeah, well, I, I I totally totally agree with that. And I think that's why we've just gotten ourselves into this vicious cycle, because instead of wanting to have conversations of of possibility, circling back to your dad, instead of having conversations of possibilities uh, and uh, how are we going to fix things? uh, How are we going to, um, you know, put things together? It's soundbite culture. (laughs) Uh, Everybody wants to uh, take one small clip and say, that is you. Um, and, and it, it scares me. It, I, mean, it, it,
0: it's, it's, I love that you mentioned that point. There's a, um, a psychologist, I, I'm not remembering his name right now, but he says, um, it only takes two points of reference for a human being to consider something as true. Two. Right. imagine that so now we make a culture where not only is it sound soundbite culture but your social media stream right. can be custom tailored to all the things that you and your friends already agree with so that you have this reaffirming uh, evidence yep. that that and, and people feel oh, like oh I'm I'm, yeah. being, I'm being educated and' I'm, I'm seeing all these things that agree with me that yeah. must mu- must make my way of thinking correct so much so that now there's such a polarity that I can't have a discussion
1: right Right. Well, I already know everything. Right. Because my Twitter feed and the algorithm says that I'm correct because everything I see is always pointing me to how <laughs> correct I am. All my Facebook stories are, are, you know, pointing me to the exactly that I I know what's best. And-, and,
0: and you know you know what as a brain scientist you know what 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 or it's not scientist but as a brain um, what did you call them an amateur um, amateur novice passionist right. you know, yeah. whatever the term is I think that one of the things that just is so, um, <clears throat> sort of makes me quake in my boots and fascinates me at the same time is not to get too overly technical but the brain has this thing in it called the reticular activating system mm-hmm. you know what its job is? its job is to listen to your thoughts and find mm. evidence in your environment that your thoughts are true we've all we've all seen this happen if you've ever <laughs> shot for a car right you go to yeah. the car lot you look at a car it's an
1: inner confirmation bias?
0: yeah it's an inner confirmation bias hilarious. and, and, and it, this is what the reticular activating system does because there's millions of bits of data coming at you the brain can't process it so it says what are you thinking about and let me look in the environment in your sensory environment and find something that you're already thinking about it to Mm, add to your belief system. Oh my gosh. So now you go into the car lot and you shop for the blue Mustang that you're looking for and as soon as you get on the road what happens? And you're driving around, and you're thinking about the blue Mustang. You see a blue Mustang. You see blue Mustangs everywhere. Yeah. So, th- so there's only two possibilities: you're a VIP of Ford Motors, right. And they 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 rolled out 60 <laughs> blue Mustangs to support your buying decision, or yeah. they were there the whole time, and you're tu- you were tuning them out.
1: Yeah. Reticular activating system. See, so I, I as soon as you're saying this, so I was raised by a, an educator, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, which technically makes her an educator as well. So we, I don't, I don't want to say poor. But we we grew up um, with coupons. Let's say that way, and it's always funny. I I to this day, to this day, I'm an adult, right? And things have gone all right. To this day, clothes that are on seventy percent clearance look better to me. And there are times where I'm like, I'll I'll, I'll I'll try to take it out. Like I'll go shopping and I'll find a shirt, and I'm like, <laughs> I I will catch myself in it. Like I'll go through it. I'm like, that's a decent looking shirt. It's on 60%. Alicia, you've got to take a look at this shirt. Does it look great? Looks all right, 60% off. And even she's like, oh, you know, that does look sharp.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, if it's full retail, it looks okay. So now I have, I know what part of my brain is telling me that is utter crap. It's just me being frugal. Right. Notice I said frugal. Some of my friends make. I can use the word cheap, not cheap. The,
0: the, the way I like to describe this is that we're 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 binge watch, watching House of Cards and we don't even know it, right? Yeah, you know, we have no idea.
1: <laughs> well, I, no, I, I I appreciate that. I, I one I I valued uh, in the last year. You've you've become um, quite a connector. You're you're always bringing things to to the um, the table. Appreciate. Um, but what I also enjoy is is that you yourself, and this is kind of your own time, you can kind of brag. Uh, you've you've been rewiring your own brain and taking new risks and taking other things. Tell me what you got going on.
0: Oh yeah, so um, basically, I my background is in business development, biotech, pharma, and I chased after um, a paycheck and a job in a West Coast. And did that for a year and was in the middle of Michigan, and my wife likes to tease me about this because I was traveling all over the country. But she goes, you're driving in Michigan, and this is your epiphany. Um, nothing against Michigan, by the way. Uh, and I said, I just can't do this anymore. Yeah. I want to I want to dream and follow my dreams. And I, what was really important to me, too, sort of vibrationally, is that we're given this um, – sort of edict as a children to dream but as soon as we cross the adulthood threshold Mm -hmm. now it's time to get serious and I have never been somebody who's taken the common path and I was like I want to do this and so I pulled the ripcord and fell out into a few different things one is I am co-owner of a IV nutritional spa. So in the 60s, uh, Dr. Myers was tired of his pa- patients having chronic conditions and gave them high doses of water-soluble vitamins in IV bags and made major improvements in their health. Mm-hmm. And so we actually have a, a feel-good-now type of spa that where you can come in and get uh, nutritional IV bags, and you don't have to be a patient. You can just be somebody who's trying to get better health, better workouts, less jet lag, too much weekend, too much kids, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and then sort of as a, as a very... <laughs> life is so amazing as a natural evolution of my seeking of connectivity in my life and mm-hmm. seeking of connectivity in my brain. My brother comes to me with this idea, and he says, well, um, you know, everybody in the world is so disconnected on their screens. It's like, how do we get people together? He said, I have this idea to... N- use the comfort of the screen to have this ability to say hello digitally, but then the parties within a 100-yard radius are get to exchange information quickly and then make a decision to come together and meet in person, but they, it doesn't allow them to sit on their couches and stalk from miles away. You have to be in a 100-yard radius, and you have to take quick yeah. action to have that face-to-face connectivity as an icebreaker. Right. And so we are... A wild 18-month ride uh, of just out there networking, 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 and and really, um, my wife and I looking at our bank account, going, "What the heck did we do?" <laughs> with this other job, but it's really coming back to to full circle in, in a prosperous way. Not only is the Ivy spa taking off, but uh, recently when we went to a trip to California and got confirmation for for um, thumbs up for funding for our for our app as future developments take place. We were able to pitch in front of the Pacers and um, at Million Cups. Um, we were able to go to uh, a 20,000 person person conference and BVIPs on the floor and showcase our app so it's been, Yes, it's, it's a cool amazing. concept.
1: Yeah, I mean I like the fact that you know I took a ironically I took a picture at an airport where and I, I I like air travel and it used to be a friendly thing and I took a picture not too long ago where every single person was looking down the screen. I know there was literally <laughs> no human conversations going on and I'm that guy that I mean call it a Midwest thing. I like talking to everybody, but I like the fact that you have an app where as people are looking down, a little uh, you know a little pop up comes. They're like, "Hey, Don Wetrick's like ten feet away from you. Look up, say hi to him." <laughs> so I, I I dig that. Anytime time we can get people to be a little bit more interactive and social. Heck, I think that's one of the reasons why I started a podcast. I just like to talk to people. Yes. I just like having conversations with you. Which, to wrap up, we want a little bit askew, but I, I I loved how we're tying in all this brain activity and all the rewiring, and I totally agree. I mean, now that I have, not I want my oldest 17, but seeing these activities, seeing these uh, challenges um, to make my children refocus on the problem and just watching them overcome, and not having that, and now it is, of course, it's cool to talk about a fixed mindset and a growth mindset, but see that in action. Right. Um, and I and I just want more and more teachers uh, and parents to be able to not just accept things as they are. Well, my kids this way, so what are you going to do? Well, try, try harder, try different activities. Um, one last thing, and this is almost a personal plea. So my two girls are out there killing it. Uh huh. I don't know whether I'm lazy or as a parent, but my third, my little guy, he's eight years old, that little work-life balance, it's called digital life balance, ways I can get Grant off the device (laughs) without me, because i got to be honest with you, every now and then I'm like, because he'll sneak it, like he's got limited times, but all of a sudden that little stinker, he'll, you know he'll watch YouTube channels, he'll watch how to build Minecraft blah blah blah, which is something I'm, you know, I'm okay with. Sure. But how do you rewire your child's brain to get detox a little bit off of the other than just brute force? How do I allow him to come to the conclusion that he's got too much digital time?
0: So our kids get very little screen time as it is, and when they do um, they're crack monkeys, and when I pull it yeah. away, there, there is, there's, they're spitting, they're there's not crying, happy with you. they're, yep. they're not happy with me. All of that, like the answer that I have, nor most people here is modeling, because this is the one thing that I, I used to tell people is that you, oh, you're, you're, you're yeah. you are, you are not what your parents said verbally. Your parents could have given you all these edicts, but when I first got out there into the workforce and my first relationship, what I saw is that who my parents were. Both privately and publicly, vibrationally, who they really were, rather wow. than who they said, is what I ended up becoming, right? And then it was my job, as into early adulthood and moving forward, to try to re- rewire those things that I didn't want as a part of me any longer. So it's not about what you say; it's only about what you model. And if we're 41 adults are spending 41 percent of their time in front of a screen, then it's it's kind of a hell oh to boy. try to model that.
1: Device, you've got to get off the device yourself, Dad. Challenge accepted. No, we're a pretty, we're a pretty together family. We do things and we enjoy things with each other. But cutting down on our own screen time, it, boy, that hits home. It, it, All right, yes. uh, Neil. I again appreciate your friendship. Appreciate the fact that you're always out there trying to connect. Uh, you're always trying to make things better for my students. Full disclosure, Neil, sometimes pops into my classroom just to help my kids. So this is. Uh, One of those guys that proves that if you're a blessing on others, you just kind of grow and and make everything else better around you. So appreciate you being on the show. Last thing, any other pertinent places that we should find you, people are interested?
0: Um, a- absolutely absolutely and before i say that i just want to say one small thing i just this is the one thing that this is my passion and why i do all these things that i do at the end of the day what i want people to do is exercise some biological forgiveness mm. right if you're listening to this and you're struggling with something understand that it's not you it's really your biology that you're struggling with mm. right and that that you have the ability to to, to hack that mm. to take a step back and to to look at it from a neutral observer standpoint and to make changes you know and so that's the reason Neil, my real passion comes in is, is that helping people exercise that in a meaningful way. So, but you asked a question of where, where people can find me. Um, I like of, that answer, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Anyway, Go ahead. Thank you. So, um, Neil, uh, if you want to email me, it's neil at thebrainwarrior.com.
1: N-E-A-L. Neil,
0: at thebrainwarrior.com. Or you can find me on Facebook at Neil Falora or Twitter at Neil Falora as well. P-H-A-L-O-R-A Phalora
1: well again I thank you so much for being on the show guys check him out when you you hear all the wisdom drops uh, this is a guy that if you email him he gets right back so forever helpful Neil Flora. thanks so much for being on the show
0: cheers